The Bible Study Podcast, episode 130. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of Luke with Luke chapter 18. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. Chapter 18 begins this way. The Parable of the Persistent Widow. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice, so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Now Luke is telling us a story here exactly how I tried to teach my kids not to tell a joke, which is with the punchline first. He's very clear that the reason why Jesus told them this parable was to teach them that they should pray and not give up. So, We don't have to guess what Jesus was trying to get at with this. And so he tells the story of this unjust judge. And an unjust judge would be a terrible thing. Remember that the prophets in the Old Testament are filled with calls for justice, and especially justice for those who have little power, like the widows and the orphans. And so this is a terrible thing. And so he's saying, if even this terrible man who is unjust, who is corrupt, will grant the prayers, will grant the request of this widow because she is persistent, how much more so should we who are bringing requests before a loving God continue to pray for them? And I don't think there's a lot else that needs to be said about that. For some reason, God doesn't choose to answer prayers necessarily the first time we ask for them. Remember that God's desire of what we get out of prayer is not always the same as ours. One of the things that he is looking for is that time we spend in prayer to strengthen our relationship with him. And that is, I would dare to say, a higher priority for God than any particular thing we are praying for. Even, for instance, if we are praying for a life and death situation, remember that to God, our relationship with him is is more important than our life, because it goes beyond life. So from that context, from that frame of reference, remember that relationships are number one, and they are number one because in the grand scheme of things, with an everlasting perspective, they are more important than life itself. And the chapter continues, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told them this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. 
But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Again, Luke gives away the punchline here that this parable is dealing with people who are confident in their own righteousness and who have become self-important, who have become self-righteous. They're looking down on everybody else. They are seeing themselves as worthy and others as unworthy. In the church today, I think we put our emphasis too often on other people's sins. I'm not saying that sin isn't important or that there aren't certain things that that person does or that guy does or that woman does that aren't sin, but we need to be really clear that one of the themes that is woven throughout the New Testament especially is that God doesn't want us to be comparing to one another. Comparison is a game invented in hell, and especially he doesn't want us like this Pharisee is doing to decide that we're good and others are bad. We are justified and others are not justified. That we are worthy and others are unworthy. This tax collector, and remember a tax collector, is a traitor to his country and his people because he is working for the Roman occupying government. That this traitor here comes away from his contrite prayer, justified, made right with God. And this Pharisee does not, because he is so full of himself, he is so full of his own righteousness, so sure of his heavenly destination, that he is not right with God. Because he is relying on his own goodness and not on what God has done. This is a warning, we should be very clear, to religious people. This is a warning to church-going people. This is a warning to those of us who listen to a Bible study podcast every week. This is intended to be for those of us who may think we've got ourselves together, that we don't get so full of ourselves and that we don't look at other people like we dealt with a couple chapters ago when Jesus was getting a hard time for hanging out with those sinners, that we don't write people off. And the chapter continues, The Little Children in Jesus. People were also bringing babies to Jesus to have him touch them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. This probably has always seemed like a strange story. Why would people keep children from Jesus? We have to understand that our views of children and the importance of children is a very modern idea. And children were not held in the same sort of esteem in Jesus' time or really through at least the 1800s. And one thing we have to remember is children often died. And so you didn't want to get quite as attached to them, and they weren't dealt with in quite the same way. And so we're a little more children-centric than they were at that time, but he is saying there's an innocence in children that is something that we should have. Not a childishness, obviously. There's lots of things that we look at with children they are not mature. That's not what we're supposed to get to. But I believe he is saying that there is a faith in a child The faith that a child will put into a parent is the kind of faith that we should have in God, a faith that is trusting. 
And so he uses this opportunity to make a point about, not just about children, but to make a point about faith, to make a point about how we should deal with what our faith should be like. And the chapter continues, again, with a lot of different themes in this chapter you may have noticed. The rich ruler. A certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Honor your father and your mother. All of these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, You lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was a man of great wealth. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus replied, What is impossible with men is possible with God. Peter said to him, We have left all we had to follow you. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. So we have this rich young ruler who comes to Jesus with a good question. How do I get eternal life? And it's interesting because Jesus, first of all, challenges this introduction. Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Now, of course, Jesus is both man and God, and so he is good. That isn't inappropriate. It's an odd little exchange there. But then he says, you know what you should do, and he gives him a short summary of the Ten Commandments. He leaves out, though, did you notice, coveting. He leaves out, you shall have no other God before me. He deals with some of the other behavioral ones, but leaves out things about greed and leaves out things about idolatry. And the man says, I've kept these as a boy. And he says, you lack one thing, sell everything you have. Now, Jesus did not tell this to everybody. But certainly in this young man's case, Jesus looked at him and realized that he had a problem. What he had was his idol. What he had was his God. That it was those other commandments that he was having trouble with. And we know that it's a problem because the man goes away sad. Unlike that pearl merchant who finds that pearl of great price and sells everything he has because he knows that one pearl is more valuable, this young man did not see that the kingdom of God was more valuable than what he had. And so he went away and stayed rich, and therefore poor. Now, you'll notice that those who hear it say, who can be saved? Because remember, their understanding, an Old Testament understanding, is that God shows the people who are faithful to him his blessings by making them prosperous. And therefore, rich means good. And so when they're hearing this, this is radical theology. This is a radical change for Jesus to say, rich is hard. To be rich and to enter in the kingdom of God is harder. Because it is so easy to rely on ourselves, it is so easy to rely on our own resources, and to forget that we are reliant on God. It is so easy for that wealth to become a barrier 
Not impossible, he says. What's impossible with men is possible with God, but hard. And Peter says, well, we left everything. And Jesus says, yes, but you will be rewarded. Don't think that you've lost something. Again, like that man who finds the treasure in the field and sells everything he has and buys that field. What you have gained is greater than that which you lost. We're not going to finish this chapter today. We're going to save the last two sections for next week. If you have any questions, feel free to send them to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or leave them at thebiblestudypodcast.com as a comment or follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Chris2x. And again, thanks so much for listening. The love of God is immeasurable. It's unchanging. It's indescribable. Because God loves you so much, you can sleep through the night in peace. With Abide Bible Sleep Meditation, you can fall asleep fast with relaxing sleep stories based on Scripture. To start listening now, go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Bible Sleep Meditation. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.